Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building a big business and even bigger life. I'm your co-host, Via Williams. And I'm Wendy Papazan. We have a small uh, group today. It's just me and Via. Just us. Just us. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. This is not, we should not do that. No, No. I'm not a great singer. Yeah, Seychelle is with her family and Sarah is running her big business today. And so Via and I thought we would talk about something. um, And actually when we were writing it, we were getting a little bit of PTSD. Write about our PTSD. (laughs) We thought we'd we'd write about our big, massive failure that we had. So today we're going to talk about what to do when you lose a key employee or maybe more than one key employee. Some or of you, team members. Or team members. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so some of you know, in 2019, I basically... Basically, my whole team fell apart. I ended up losing 26 people. I have far less people than that on my team now. And it didn't happen all at once. It happened over the course of about six months. And it was kind of a gradually then suddenly thing. And it was honestly, it was the hardest experience of my life. And I learned a lot from it. And so that's what we're here to talk about today, which is to prepare yourself. You know, we've really broken this down into three things. So one is preparing yourself to lose a key employee. So what to do in advance to lessen the sting. What to do during the transition. So while this key employee is leaving. And then some things that you can do to set yourself up for success afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, I I had a similar thing happen. I I beat Wendy. So mine happened in 2016, I think it was. And I lost about 85% of my team in a four-month period. And and it it was devastating, by far the hardest professional thing I've ever had to walk through. In retrospect, now that you know it's been five years, I, I can share with you it was absolutely necessary for where mm-hmm. I am now and, yeah. and for you know the leader I've become because it is a humbling experience. And I am a much more humble leader. Absolutely. I'm the <laughs> as same a result. Way. But I'm the it, same it's way. hard. Yeah. It's yeah. Hard. Well and I was walking around, I know, at the beginning of 2019, kind of I was completely out of sales. We'd had our best year ever in 2018. We'd done over 300 deals. We were extremely profitable. My team culture was great. And I was walking around patting myself on the back, telling myself and everybody else what a great leader I was. And the big lesson learned there was, was that one good year does not a wonderful business make. And that that definitely came true the following year. And then, of course, I thought 2020 was going to be my year after my tough year in 2019. And that didn't pan out either. And then I thought we we launched our podcast. Well, it's true. 2020 was a great year and it was a great year for building building my team. And but it was also a very challenging year because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There, there's you know thousands of lessons, right? And I, I, I still tap back to the lessons. You know, I, I they'll never end. But you know, we know a thing or two, Wendy, about this topic. <laughs> We've been around the block a few times. We're a little, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sarah and Seychelle, they're they're our spring chickens. And well, you know, Seychelle's gone yeah. through this too. Well, I know she has. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think well, Sarah's really gone through it as dramatically. But no, but she's had a lot of crazy things. She's had still a lot of, yeah, she's lost key people. So she's yeah. for sure lost key people. For sure. people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's start out with what are some things that you can do to uh, lessen the sting in advance? Because the reality is, is people are going to leave. 
-hmm. right? Uh, unless you create a world big enough where they have enough opportunity to stay and they're allowed to grow. And they will grow. still leave, Wendy. You and they know, will still leave, even will. if you're doing that. Just yeah, like, that's just part of it. And I think that we've seen that right now. They're calling it the great resignation. Resignation. Right? It's, it's mm -hmm. happening to companies all over the United States. Thankfully, you know, our team has been quite strong this year, but I know Keller Williams International is having to fight tooth and nail to keep to keep some of their good people. So oh, I think everybody is right Every now. company is. I yeah. mean, everybody Every is. company you know, everyone's is. Everyone's resetting. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Combination so if, of things. So if somebody leaves, what are some things that you can do to kind of like lessen the sting? Well, I, I know you're going to talk about operations manual in, mm -hmm. in a second, and, and I'll let you kind of spend more time on that. But the biggest hack I have, and I cannot stress this enough, like because it's literally been a game changer, and I've done it thankfully since 2015, is you want to always create a video library. Here's what, you know, whether, whether you're on a PC or an Apple product or, or whatever you're on, Every computer nowadays has some kind of either a third party or a built-in system where you can screen share video and mm -hmm. with audio. And you are doing the things anyway. So, you know, and just what pops into my head is, you know, we have to do these things called comparative market analysis in real estate, right? So I have two or three videos of myself, you know, all you see is the screen and you see me going through using the multiple listing service, going through doing a CMA and talking through. All right, here's what I do. The first thing I do is this, be sure you do this. And, and I'm walking through and there's two or three videos. I'm doing it anyway. It takes a little bit longer to press record and save it, but not really. And I have my operations team. Everyone does them, right? So if I have a, a Zoom with someone, I'm going to record it. If it's like, if I have multiple offers with a client, we're going to go review it on Zoom. I'll record that and I'll put that in the video library. Over time, everything you do can be documented. It is so perfect because they can hear how you talk. They can hear how you think. They can hear you interact with clients, right? And over time, you just start organizing that. And actually, Wendy, I would say you organize it into your ops manual, which you're mm -hmm. going to talk about. Yeah. So I can't stress that enough. And, and sometimes it's just about sticking an iPhone uh, video on you. Mm -hmm. If yeah. it's not a screen share one. So yeah. that's my well, it's big a, hack. It, that's great leverage. So the way you leverage is through people or systems. And this is a great way to leverage through systems. And the gift I got that when I started when I started my business is Jay, my husband said, Hey Wendy, you need to do an operations manual for your business. And it was great. So my first assist followed me around and she documented everything that we did. And of course, it's changed over the past decade, but now it's an 82-page operations manual that houses all of our passwords, all of our systems, the way we do things, just, just really everything in our business. And, and it's a very dynamic industry, so nothing's really static, but it's it helps a lot so that especially when you have that key role transition of the operations person, whether it's your executive assistant or like an operations director, they can look back on that because it's just it's just awesome for them to be able to look back on that and really see what they need to know. I I couldn't agree more. In fact, we we could do a whole episode on on just that on the playbook on the ops manual. And and one of the things that I say like a broken record that my people like start, I think they're rolling their eyes at this point is I say your job is not to do the thing; it's to do the thing and document it. And so, yeah. you know, what I tell everybody is these are living documents. You're never going to have a finished one. And to me, you know, whether it's OneDrive or, or Google Drive, these are just throwing together very simple, like, you know, here's a quick 
checklist. Here's a quick, you know, checklist of what I did. Over time, they get added to and developed. And then, you know, six months, a year into it, there's a very fleshed out, specific, nested, you know, checklist, right? But they don't start that way. So you no. start where you start. Just start with throwing five things down. And then then you, they just get built out over the years, right? And if you can visit those weekly and have your people visit them weekly and really have a... a culture of accountability behind that. I think that's how playbooks get built kind of in real time as we're going through the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And the culture of accountability is really like, hey, you need to document this and then show it to me when you're done. And on our our team, you know, we have our ops director is, you know, it's part of her job is to update that regularly, whether it's, you know, four times a year or twice a year or whatever it looks like, at least an annual review of it to see what we need to do to update it. Yeah, well, and and I think that we'd be remiss since we're talking about like what to do in advance to lessen the sting. We would be remiss to not state the elephant in the room, which you always need a bench of talent. What we mean by bench is, you know, if you're a sports team, right, you've got your starters out on the field, but who do you have on the bench? You have your backups in case someone gets injured, someone gets tired, you know, they're not, they're not having Or they graduate, right? Or they graduate, they go on to the next team. I'm thinking of Ted Lasso, right? They go to the premiere. (laughs) So we, we, all of us, all of us, everyone listening, me, you, all of us are guilty of never having enough bench. It's Mm -hmm. our number one issue, right? Yeah, that's why we feel the pain. Well, and it, you should have, you should, and I would encourage everyone to grow their business to the point where, you know, the majority of businesses in this country, it's it's like one or two people. Yeah. That's, that's the majority of businesses. And I would encourage you to really take the next step and grow your business so that you have a bench even on your team. You know, I think about my operations team. I've got a phenomenal operations director. She's incredible. I have a fantastic listing listing manager. I have an incredible contract to close and I have two great virtual assistants and they're all cross-trained on each other's jobs. So A, Mm -hmm. that means somebody can take a vacation and everything doesn't fall apart. And B, if you have a transition, which you will, then somebody can can take that over, at least in the short term. Otherwise, you get that job back. Yeah. yeah. And that means growing your team to the point where you don't have just one assistant. You've got several people there who can uh, back you up. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I love that you said cross-train because to me, your bench can often be people on your own team, right? Absolutely. That are cross-trained, ready to step into that next role. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. 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 Sure. And that's the easiest way. Yeah, that that is absolutely the easiest way. Yeah, Yeah, and you want to hire people that can grow into the other roles on your team. You know, just hiring talented people. Yep. Yeah, and and otherwise, what building a bench looks like is talking to people who might be a good fit for your team and being in a relationship with them and having your eye on them. So doing like Keller Williams does the KPA review. Mm -hmm. If you've got someone in your world who you think might be a great fit for the team, shoot them the KPA. And if they're a good fit, have a conversation with them and say, gosh, you know, I don't have a spot on my team for you right now. However, I'd love to, you know, one of the top agents I ever had in my team, I was in communication with her for over a year before she eventually joined. And we would meet for tacos. I talk real estate with her. And when the time came, when there was an opportunity, she was able to join the team. And it was it was great because that that seed was already planted in her head, you know. Yeah, I, and what I would add—that's great. And what I would add to that is, it's learn the skill of doing that because I have struggled a little bit with 
having a full deck stacked. So everyone's hired for the position and feeling kind of guilty about having ads run or feeling weird about having mm-hmm. those discussions, almost like I'm cheating on my people. Yeah. So you you just have to kind of develop the skill. And what, what I've found, Wendy, is that I my people all know I'm constantly doing that. Like when I hire them, I'm like, you will always see ads out. You will always see me meeting with people. I, you know, I can't predict if you get relocated to Michigan next year and, you know, or you want to, you know, go have a child and be a stay-at-home parent. Like I can't predict that. And so I always kind of have to have this to, you know, to keep mm-hmm. the business yeah. stable. Well, and it can so. really look like a simple habit, you know, so... The biggest bench I ever had was the year I had on my goals to talk to two talented people every week. And I don't have that on my goals now, but you can do something as simple as have a Wednesday morning coffee. And that can look like, doesn't even necessarily need to be someone who might fill a role. It might be just someone in your in your community. And it's just having those dialogues, having those relationships that are fresh. And if you do that every week, you know that means you talk to 50 talented people in one year. Yeah, I, I I do that because it I have to. I, mm-hmm. I have to constantly. Yeah. So I will randomly cold call people in our industry locally and just say, hey, you know, we've been following each other on social media or I've been watching what you're doing. Can we have coffee or lunch? And sometimes they're like, What are you recruiting me? And I'm <laughs> legit not. Like I, yeah. I really I just have these long relationships. I just do weird yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's flattering when people reach out to you like that. So, and then the only other thing there would be to plan for the worst, right? Just understand (laughs) that even when things are awesome and you're walking around patting yourself on the back, something bad and something bad probably will happen. I mean, honestly, that's just life. You know, life is life is about ups and life is about downs. And if you haven't had any downs yet, just wait because they're coming for you. They're coming. And it's just the human condition. That's that's really what it is. So why not create a contingency plan? What what would you do if so and so left? What what would the steps that you would take be and write that out? I mean, it sounds terribly pessimistic. And yet having a plan in place when something happens is fantastic because then you're not like a deer in the headlights, right? Not knowing what to do. Reminds me of this book I'm reading called Upstream right now. When you go upstream of the problem, you know, to, mm-hmm. to anticipate it before it becomes a catastrophe. Yeah. And I don't naturally do that. And most, I'm not highly skeptical. I think maybe Bia, you probably oh, I are. Am highly skeptical. Yeah. I'm like, I live my life this way. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So. And I'm married to yeah. someone who's highly skeptical. So yeah. it's it's actually a skill that you can develop. And and yet most salespeople are mostly optimistic. They are. You, know, you, That's you, true. you have to be, you have mm-hmm. to be somewhat optimistic to be an entrepreneur. Most of the well, time, I, the, you know, I think there's a misconception just to defend fellow skeptics. You know, <laughs> it, it, skepticism is not the opposite of optimism necessarily. No, skepticism it's not being negative. is just me. I expect a good outcome always mm-hmm. if I'm going to embark on something. It just means that I come at something assuming things will go wrong. I live my life waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like mm-hmm. I have plan A, B, C, mm-hmm. and that's all it means. Yeah. It just means- Well, can that- I give you an example of that? Like yeah. I, I love, this is the best example of okay, how, how my husband, who's highly, highly, highly skeptical. So we got a new sprinkler system involved and you know how there's the little box that attaches to the outside of your house and you have the little yeah. key that opens it up and yeah, it has the sure. dials on the inside. Okay. So I was like, Jay, come here. I'm going to show you how the little box works and here's the key and here's the dials and everything. And so he sees me open the box with this key that always just stays in there. You know, it kind yeah. of locks in there. Without saying a word to me, he he walks inside, gets a carabiner, you know, one of those clips 
and clips it to the end of that key. And I was like, babe, what are you doing? And he's like, well, this key could fall out and it could fall through these the deck slats, which the deck slats are, you can't, you guys can't see this, but there's no gaps in our deck. There's no way a key could fall down in there. But that is how oh, his thanks. mind works, where he was thinking, you know what? He was imagining himself someday in the future underneath that deck, grubbing That's around, right. looking for the key because one of our kids pulled it out. And, and so in order to do that, he just created a safety guard right That's away. That's a perfect example. Yeah, That's great. No, I love that. Yeah. That is like for it. sure. And, that, and there's nothing negative about that, no. really. It's just anticipating no. and mitigating. I always say it's like it. he likes to mitigate risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's anticipating, right? Yeah. You're just, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're two, three steps ahead. And if you had asked an optimist, like, hey, what could go wrong here? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you for sure. I would have never, ever, ever done that. So yeah, no, that's just good, good perspective. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, what's the second thing on what to do when we lose a key employee? Well, so if you've got someone who's exiting, right, there are some things that you can do during the transition that can hopefully make things a little bit easier. And the first one is really find out why they're leaving, okay? So you want to make sure that they're not leaving for something that's endemic to your organization, something really bad that's happening inside your organization that you simply don't know about. So whether it's an exit interview, a formal exit interview, or just a conversation, be like, hey, tell me what's going on here is just really, really important. Because what will happen is there will be anger and there will be judgment and you'll have that you'll have the the desire and tendency to want to blame that person for what's going on. That's just a normal human reaction. And so you kind of have to fight that. And uh, remember that the team that's there is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. And, And the focusing question that I use, Wendy, at that point is I ask myself, is this systemic or situational? Mm-hmm. So is this a is this a personal situation? Do they have is there you know sort of an individual reason for them leaving, or is this a systemic problem within the organization that I you know may need to address, right? Yeah. And so all of my line of questioning and my you know that conversation that's what's going through my head as I'm trying to understand is this completely sometimes it's a little of both by the way. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would say for sure when my my team exploded, it was definitely systemic. There were just some decisions that I'd made as a leader and oh, there were too. just just like you know, I own I own what happened 100%. Oh, I and, own I own and mine 100%. There were there were yeah. some just there were just some individual choices too that happened. So it's, yeah. it's usually both. Yeah. 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 This was a big one for me. You know, I I always thought when somebody came and told you they were going to leave, you just let them go. I just didn't even realize that you could really fight for them to stay. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's also a big mistake that I made is I didn't fight for some of the, for some of the right people to stay. And when I did eventually figure that out, it was a little bit too late for me. But now, you know, sometimes they want you to fight. They want you to 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 yeah. put up a fight and show and show you you show them that that they are wanted and needed by you. Do you want to hear a story about that? Of course. So one of my key people gave notice. This was, you know, years ago. And she she gave her notice and I called her up. She emailed me and I go, I do not accept your resignation. 
She's like, what do you mean? You can't. No, I go, no, I don't. You, I, I don't accept it. I don't accept it because you made a unilateral decision and I want to be part of that decision. Mm-hmm. And you are so important and valued to me. And I at least can we sit down and talk about like what's happening. She ended up not only staying, I'm just, I'm not going to give names. She's, she's my number. She's a massive part of my world right now. Literally, we will follow each other our whole careers. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just, I just, I fought for her and, mm-hmm. and I took a stand and I said, I do not accept your resignation. And this was like on a Tuesday night late. And, you know, I'm on the phone with my CEO. I'm like, we, you know, I mean, you know, I made it happen. You know, it was, it was pretty stressful because I, you know, I, I was like, I've got shortcomings. I understand. Like, can we work on that? And it had nothing to do with me, by the way. It, it just didn't. It yeah. had to do with, you know, family needs. And, and we could make up for that in other ways, which we did. And it just, we needed to have the dialogue, right? Well, and a lot of people right now are finding uh, job opportunities that just pay a lot more. And you know, I, I know that that's happening, you know, in some on Jay's team and mm-hmm. they're having to go through. And if you see this happening in your organization where people are coming to you and saying, I'm getting a 20,000. And if you get a $40,000 a year pay increase and you're making $80,000, that is really significant to the life of that of that employee. And mm-hmm. you need to recognize that. You may have, they may want to stay, but mm-hmm. you know, if it's their kids' education fund or, you know, whatever it is, that's that's very hard to give up. And you need to look at the people on your team if that starts mm-hmm. to happen and and say, like, are you being are you being compensated fairly? Are you being compensated fairly? Are you being compensated fairly? Sometimes you can compensate them in different ways. You know, I was just going to say you, you can you can incentivize, right? Which which mm-hmm. I've done before, and I also think that you know humans have a high need to feel appreciated and wanted, mm-hmm. and this kind of wraps into that because there's been a couple times where, where I, by the way, I don't shy away at fighting to keep people now like I used yeah. to. I yeah. understand like the ramifications, you know, differently. I'm just I, I have the courage of my convictions more as I go through yeah, more of this too. life experience. But me too. you know this this whole like you are worth it. I. I will match well, that, or I will beat that. That makes him feel so appreciated. On top of the, and you the don't need take it personally. Met. You no, know, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think. Well, no, I think some. Not I think as much, especially. Though. Well, I think in the beginning, I just took a lot of it personally. Yes, and totally. it's not. It's not usually personal. Like I have lots of people in my world who left my world for whatever reason, whether it was my fault or theirs, who were very appreciative of my leadership. I know because they text me. You know, eight eight six, five years later and just say, thank you so much. You really impacted my life. My family's better because of you. And that's, I, I took a lot of that personally. And I realize now it's not usually personal. And that's why you can go, go back and not be upset or angry or offended that they're leaving you because it feels very, very personal at the beginning. You just feel like, oh, they're leaving you. They're not leaving you. No. Well, I, it's so funny you should say that because the same same things happen with me. And and you could go years and years back to like webinars, stage appearances, podcast appearances where I just was beating myself up. Like I was a horrible leader. And by the way, I I, I wasn't stellar at all times. But, <laughs> but then, you know, almost every single person who left, almost not quite everybody, at some point has come back either verbally or text just saying, you know, very complimentary, very formative developmental things that that I was part of with them and that they that they cited and so with time I agree with you it, it typically the truth comes out you know history is a good author of of how good you really were yeah yeah okay so 
then just understand that no one on the team is irreplaceable, but the team will be affected by what's happening. And you need to manage this. This is your absolute- That's your first priority. Yeah, your first priority. Like Bia said, you need to shore up the ship, right? Yeah. So make sure that the people there feel loved on, that they understand what's happening. You're letting them have the time to process it. You're, you have some vulnerability too. I think that's really important. I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm not always that way. Sometimes I'm just all sunshine and roses and you need to have some vulnerability around what's happening so that your people feel like they can have that too. Oh, 100%. I, I don't even know what I, I, I don't have anything to add. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, uh, there you go. Yep. And, you know, you, you talk about like shoring up a ship and, and internal, you have to look external. Your second priority is talking to customers mm-hmm. and clients who could be affected yeah. and making sure that you're transitioning, that you're messaging, that you're edifying everybody and that you're stabilizing. This is just stabilization. Yeah. So when you know they're leaving, you know, you, you shore your ship internally first and you go immediately, in my opinion, externally and make sure that that's all short. <laughs> v and I were laughing before we started <laughs> recording today because I was telling her, if you look at our Google reviews, there's a there's about a three-month chunk <laughs> where we have a few pretty crappy reviews. And it's really from that time in 2019 when my whole team exited and I, I didn't do this. I didn't do this as much as I should have. There were people who who literally got left in the dark, who mm-hmm. were very dissatisfied with what was going on. And honestly, I just couldn't deal with it. I just couldn't. Oh, ditto. I, Same with I, me. I, I, Same I just me. absolutely knew that I needed to, and I absolutely I couldn't. So, Well, we're human and, and it is what it is. I, you know, yeah. it is what Lessons it is. Learned, exactly you know? the same as Lessons me. Lessons learned. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's about who we're, who we're becoming. It's, it, isn't, it isn't about pointing out all the failures on the way. It's like you become a better person by having adversity fall on you. That's right. So, you know, that was what to do while they're leaving, right? What after they give notice, what what do we? Do? Well, I would say you have a couple options depending on what happens. You can ask them for more time. So, especially if you're in a small organization, mm-hmm. I uh, tell my folks, listen, two weeks isn't usually enough. I get it if you have a better opportunity and I can't match what's going on. However, if you are a small team, if you're a team of ten people or less, a key person leaving is is actually completely devastating to the organization, mm-hmm. and two weeks isn't enough. So beg for more time. If you decide you're not going to counter and you can't keep them, beg for more time. Say two weeks is the minimum. I would like for you to stay three weeks or four weeks or five weeks or six weeks. Uh, because I would want that person going into their next job to have that. And this is if the, is this is if you have a great relationship with them and they're leaving yeah. on good terms. Obviously, if they're not leaving on good terms, you probably want to exit them immediately. So. Yeah, I, 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 it's funny. I, we might disagree on this point. By the mm-hmm. way, I have rarely found that someone with short timers or someone someone that's on their way out the door. I've rarely found that they are truly effective after that first week, week and a half, honestly. So we we might disagree a little bit, but I hear what you're saying. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know, there are times when that that's a great ask. So yep. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah. And make sure you make sure you end on good terms. How you oh, leave always. is everything. You know, yeah. for for young people who are listening, even older people, honestly, how you leave is absolutely everything. It is everything. It's like the it's like a wonderful movie that has a crappy ending, right? All you remember is the is the crappy ending. You don't remember yeah. the great movie. So this goes for the person who's leaving and for the leader as well. 
right? That's right. Because everybody else on, on your team is watching you. They're watching you, how you treat people. You don't necessarily need to be happy about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but you want to have a certain amount of grace there. That's right. Yeah, I agree. And you, and you also want to reflect on your role mm-hmm. uh, as a leader and, you know, what you could have done differently. We, I have a failure framework that I talk about a lot. I think I've talked about it in a podcast episode where you just mm-hmm. kind of reflect like, what did I do well? What did I not do well? What could I have done differently? Would I have done anything differently? You know, maybe they're just not a fit and you felt like they were and they didn't, you know, who knows? But. Yep. And then, you know, I think the other thing, Wendy, just kind of going back to what we talked about in point two is we just, we really have to, you know, spend time with our remaining team members. That is so important to, to focus on our key people. And I would also argue that that while it's tough to lose key employees, this can also provide opportunity internally for people to get promotions and 100%. You know, more responsibility. And- 100%. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and you can just in the in the short term, you want to go back to the mission or goal. Why are we around? What what what's why are we in business? You know, get back to the why and just, you know, we should be doing that on a regular basis anyway as leaders, but certainly after a key person leaves, you want to you want to hone down on that. Yep, yep. Yeah. You might be able to get short-term help, right? Yeah. In the interim. I think that's a really good one that people forget. Actually, mm-hmm. it sounds obvious, but you know, it's just like what can you do really quick to, you know, patch the hole? Yeah. And, well, and that's really how you're thinking. Closing coordinators, uh, listing managers. There's multiple companies out there yep. that will that will train and and will do all of that. Like we, even though we have a pretty robust operations manual, and we hired our contract to close person, we just put them through. We put them through training, an outside training thing, because none of us really had the bandwidth to do it at a high level, and so it just was such a good investment. And then we have they have that knowledge, and then they were also documenting what we were doing at the same time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I agree with that. You know, the, the other thing I would I would share is put some thought into how you're managing the message, you know, both internally and externally. Really ideally work with the person leaving on that. Mm-hmm. You know, what what do we want to say? You know, make sure you're edifying each other, making make sure that that you're sharing the right message that's respecting their privacy, you know, respecting their choices and and making everybody look good and and honored in the process, yeah. I think. Uh, exactly. Cuz at the end of the day, you're hopefully going to still be in a relationship with that that person yeah. in some way or another if they're still in your right. industry. So, yeah. And then the final thing there is just to remember to have an ongoing bench, right? Just that's just can't so say it important. Enough, right? Yeah. So, so important. Be talking to people um, in your industry. If you don't have appointments with talent on your calendar and you're not tracking that, that should be something that you're putting on your goals every year. How many great people can you meet with? Who can you get in front of? And then, yeah, yeah. Just make sure if, if you can have a bench internally, right? Cross by cross training is really powerful. And one of the most important, that just reminded me, one of the most important questions I ask people when they're leaving um, is I'll often ask them, you know, hey, Wendy, who do you think the best person is to replace you? Or what do you think we should do with this position? Or what are your thoughts on that? They will... The nice, you know, if there's a silver lining, when someone's leaving, there's there's not a lot of filter. They mm-hmm. tend to share what they've been thinking to the yeah. point where you're like, where were you like a <laughs> yeah. year ago? But yeah, exactly. Hello. But yeah. it is helpful. And so I that's a that's an important question for me to ask. And that helps with the bench. Because if you have a couple of people that you think are talented and they're like, well, I really think you need this kind of a person here, you know, it'll help. 
So good. So good, Via. Well, guys, today's episode was awesome. It's not the it's not the funnest thing to talk about mm-hmm. what to do when you lose a key employee. And if you're going through this right now, we feel you. We feel your pain. This too shall pass. It's all about the journey on becoming the best leader you can be. Right. And so hopefully you enjoyed this uh, quickie episode on what to do before, during, and after when a key employee leaves. And we hope we use this information to go out and build a big business and even bigger life. Bye guys. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder. Empire Builder.